tonight banning TikTok. Ottawa scrubs the video sharing app from government devices. Prohibiting the Chinese-owned platform over potential security risks. This may be a first step. And the push for a public inquiry into alleged election meddling by Beijing. An issue of transcending importance to Canadian democracy. Private health care clinics popping up across Canada. It requires a monthly subscription. A growing debate dividing the country. They told me it's going to be the charge of $2,000. I said, okay, I mean, I had no choice. Plus, making movie history. Michelle! This is for every little girl that looks like me. A monumental sweep at the Screen Actors Guild Awards. CTV National News with Omar Sachadina. Good evening, everyone. Swiping up may be a security threat, according to the federal government, which announced a crackdown on an app millions of Canadians use every single day. Ottawa says TikTok, the global platform where people share and create videos, is now banned on government devices. The concern is over ties to China as tensions between Beijing and Ottawa rise. Our coverage begins with CTV's Kevin Gallagher. Jiggle, jiggle. TikTok is known for dance challenges, comedy videos, and even cooking tips. I use TikTok when I'm just looking to kill time, you know, watch something funny. While scrolling through the latest videos, the app is collecting contacts, photos, search history, and even a person's location, presenting an unacceptable level of risk to privacy and security, according to Treasury Board President Mona Forche. Starting tomorrow, the TikTok application will be removed from government-issued mobile devices. This may be a first step, it may be the only step we need to take, but every step of the way we're going to be making sure uh, we're keeping Canadians safe. TikTok is owned by Chinese company ByteDance, and this ban comes as Beijing is being accused of attempting to meddle in Canada's democratic process. The concern is when the data actually gets collected, is there a potential that this could be shared uh, with Beijing. The European Union and the United States have already imposed similar bans on government devices. We, the FBI, do have um, national security concerns uh, about the app. NDP leader Jagmeet Singh says his party will comply with the government directive, while Conservative leader Pierre Polyev is suspending his account and says his MPs will do the same. In a statement, TikTok calls the ban curious saying the government didn't cite any specific security concern. The privacy commissioner, along with three of his provincial counterparts, are also investigating whether TikTok is in compliance with Canadian laws when it collects user data. A complicated review, Omar, with no estimated completion date. All right, Kevin, thanks. On another controversy involving China, the prime minister is rejecting calls for an inquiry. Demands are growing for more transparency on whether Beijing tried to influence the last two federal elections. Here's CTV's senior political correspondent, Glenn McGregor. Handong cruised to an easy win in his Toronto riding in the 2019 election, but now faces allegations that he won a coveted nomination as a Liberal candidate with help from the Chinese consulate in Toronto. Today, Dong said, I strongly reject the insinuations in media reporting that allege I have played a role in offshore interference calling the claims inaccurate and irresponsible. 
Global News had reported that CSIS believed Dong was a witting affiliate of Chinese influence networks and that the spy agency told the prime minister's office to rescind his nomination. Justin Trudeau wouldn't confirm he'd been briefed, but called Dong an outstanding MP. The suggestions we've seen in the media that CSIS would somehow say, no, this person can't run or that person can't run, is not just false, it's actually damaging to people's uh, confidence in our democratic and political institutions. Trudeau's former principal secretary is among those calling for a public inquiry after other reports alleging Chinese interference in the last two elections. But the Prime Minister instead pointed to a panel report on the 2021 election that today was provided to parliamentarians on the National Security Committee. His former National Security Advisor says MPs are too partisan to assess an issue of such public importance. There are precedents in Canada for royal commissions and commissions of inquiry uh, being able to receive classified information. A view not shared by all in the intelligence community. I think the government has got to find a way to take some kind of action that in fact would demonstrate that it is using the information available to take action to deal with these issues rather than simply letting it drift. Trudeau's National Security Advisor and the Deputy Minister of Foreign Affairs are both scheduled this week to appear before that committee of MPs and Senators and to explain in more detail the government's response to these allegations of Chinese interference. Omar. All right, Glenn, thanks. And tensions between Beijing and Washington intensified today, and it has to do with the origins of COVID. The U.S. Department of Energy claims the virus likely stemmed from an accidental lab leak in China, but also added it has low confidence in that assessment. More than a year ago, the FBI reached a similar conclusion with moderate confidence. Still, the White House has not arrived at a conclusion of its own. There is not a consensus right now in the U.S. government about exactly how COVID started. China's foreign ministry accused the U.S. of politicizing the pandemic and calls the claim that COVID-19 originated from a leak in its country, quote, highly unlikely. Canada has imposed more sanctions on a dozen high-ranking officials from Iran's Islamic Revolutionary Guard and law enforcement forces. Ottawa says they've participated in, quote, gross and systemic human rights violations, including the lethal suppression of demonstrations. Massive protests swept across Iran over the death of 22-year-old Masa Amini while in police custody. And Russia launched 14 Iranian-made drones overnight, according to Ukraine, though the country's military says it shot down 11 of them. CTV's Adrian Gobriel reports tonight from Kyiv, where most of those drones were headed. Ukraine's capital is at times a jarring juxtaposition. Day 369 of the Russian invasion began with the blare of an air raid siren, following a night of intense air defense deployment high above. Nine of the drones shot down were destined for Kyiv. You can be hit anywhere in Ukraine. Ukraine says Russia has been deploying Iranian-made drones. Ukrainian forces are also flying their own eyes in the sky. Alexander Honcharenko is an aerial platoon leader whose team flies drones over Russian positions near the front lines. The most important thing right now is to get aerial reconnaissance onto the place so that you don't have to go there by foot first. There are many landmines there. The Iranian drones sent out by Russia are strapped with explosives. They harm civilian infrastructure, they kill civilians. The enemy just doesn't care about civilians at all. The UN estimates that more than 21,000 civilians have been wounded or killed. The human toll is evident in this cemetery in Irpin, where workers have had to clear-cut a new section 
to make room for all the lives lost over the last 12 months. The sheer size of this cemetery is as staggering as it is tragic. Each grave is marked by an individual's photo, though some of them are already beginning to fade, and there's a concern that the stories here, the tragedies that individuals endured, are beginning to disappear as well. You're concerned that support for this war may begin to wane. Mm -hmm. That's right. Mark, who asked we withhold his last name, is a retired deputy commander with the Canadian Armed Forces. So it's basically the whole society is, is, is on the front line. He's now training Ukrainian soldiers headed to the Eastern Front, where he sees a grinding battle of attrition on the horizon and dwindling interest from Western allies. People have short attention span and, you know, other shiny objects come along. Support Ukraine as much as you can. This is the, this is the right word. A cry for unwavering support as the war enters its second deadly year. The conflict claiming more victims here every day. The overnight flurry of drones sent in by Russian forces killing two rescue workers. Omar. All right, Adrian, thank you. A Mediterranean beach has turned into a scene of broken dreams. 63 migrants were killed when the boat they were in smashed into rocks close to the Italian shore. CTV's Vanessa Lee on the desperate journey. This is where dreams of a new beginning came to a heartbreaking end. Bodies have washed up on an Italian beach along with personal belongings, including children's clothing. A scene the mayor of the resort town of Cutro says will be impossible to erase from their minds. The wooden boat packed with passengers left Turkey around four days ago. Among those on board, entire families, mostly from Afghanistan, Pakistan and Somalia. It hit rough seas and disintegrated when it slammed into rocks meters from shore. Only adults survived. All of the kids are either dead or missing. Relatives are being asked to provide photos to help identify the dead. I come here for my friends. He keeps ringing me from early morning from Pakistan. He has one brother in Turkey. He's finished fish off from before yesterday. And he just wants to know he's a die or he's alive. This man with Doctors Without Borders tells the story of a 20-year-old Syrian man traveling with his six-year-old brother. They wanted to reach Germany to start a new life. In the end, he laid his little brother on a piece of wood and watched him die from the cold. Three people have been detained on suspicion they helped organize the trip. Italy's recently elected right-wing government has come under fire for cracking down on charity rescue missions. In a statement, its prime minister says human traffickers are to blame for profiting from the false prospect of a safe journey. Omar. Heartbreaking. Vanessa, thank you. Southern Turkey was rocked by another earthquake today, three weeks after a massive quake devastated the region. This building was one of nearly 30 destroyed in today's jolt, which killed one person and injured more than 100 others. The February 6th quake killed 48,000 people in Turkey and Syria. The World Bank today estimated the damage to be $34 billion, not including reconstruction costs. Severe weather continues to batter parts of the United States as the massive storm that hit California last week made its way into the Midwest. 
Entire neighborhoods were damaged after nine tornadoes reportedly touched down in Kansas and Oklahoma overnight, injuring 12 people. Weather warnings are in effect across the U.S. and hundreds of thousands remain without power as the storm moves northeast. And a renewed storm over access to health care is brewing across Canada, even as a seventh province signed on to Ottawa's funding deal. The money is widely seen as a welcome boost, but far less than what the province has wanted. And as CTV's Ottawa Bureau Chief Joyce Napier reports, some insist that's only opening more space for privatization. All right. On opening day, phones are ringing off the hook at the privately run Blue Nose Health Clinic in Halifax. I know that they have been absolutely swamped with phone calls and, um, and emails requesting service. The clinic offers blood tests, checkups, diagnoses and referrals to specialists. We wanted to open a clinic um, that would have a limited number of clients, meaning that we would be able to offer timely access to primary care services. As the provinces and the federal government negotiate new funding for health care transfers, even the Premier of Ontario believes that a private option is inevitable. We can't continue pouring tens of billions of dollars, as we have with partnership of the federal government, and continuing to do the same thing and expect a different result. According to an Angus Reid poll, 39% of Canadians say there is little or no place for privatization of the system, while 28% support private care and 33% are open to the concept of privatization but are hesitant. As hundreds of thousands of Canadians wait for medical procedures, including surgeries, today Alberta announced it is accepting the federal funding to boost the province's system. This agreement in principle will invest $24.18 billion in federal funding over 10 years in Alberta. But the Ontario Health Coalition says governments are underfunding the system and forcing partial privatization. The Canada Health Act was meant to protect patients from exactly these types of fees and this kind of snake oil salesmanship. You should not, it should not be like going to a car mechanic. So far, seven provinces have signed on to the federal government's health care deal, accepting billions of dollars, but far less than what they initially wanted, and resorting to private options to make up for the difference. Omar? All right, Joyce, thank you. When we come back... They've put um, block after block in, in our way. A face-off over hockey diversity. Plus... Believe me, if you just stay in there and you put one foot in front of the other... Stirring words at the SAG Awards. A former NHL player says the Greater Toronto Hockey League was offside when it denied his bid to create a series of teams with guaranteed roster spots for visible minorities. The GTHL is the world's largest minor hockey organization with more than 40,000 registered players and nearly $9 million in annual revenue. But as TSN's Rick Westhead reports, there are questions tonight about the money and the message. As Alou feeds it in front... Former National Hockey League player Akeem Aliou had a vision for helping to diversify the Greater Toronto Hockey League, a minor hockey league that has helped to cultivate some of the game's biggest stars. Just working with them has just been extremely difficult. They've put um, block after block in, in our way. 
Aliou says the GTHL for two years has stonewalled efforts to begin an organization known as the Toronto Dream, whose teams would each have three to five roster spots guaranteed for BIPOC players. Aliou says the fight has exposed an uncomfortable truth about minor hockey, that it's big business. These organizations are supposed to be run as not-for-profits. The issue of money, power and corruption is the biggest problem we have in minor hockey right now. The GTHL published a report only seven months ago that reported racism is systemic in the league. And the numbers tell the story about how little diversity there is in the GTHL. Of those who responded to a GTHL survey last season asking how players racially identify themselves, almost 60% said they were white. 1.1% said they were black. Something radical like this, I think, could really open the door to a whole lot of players and, and create a whole lot of good. The GTHL wanted Aliou to create so-called house league programs for recreational players and see what the future might hold later about the most competitive teams. In an interview, the GTHL's executive director said that adding more AAA teams would dilute talent. The GTHL says that player enrollment is down in recent years, and many within the game say that roster spots should be earned on merit alone. Aliou says he expects the city and provincial government to get involved, since GTHL teams play on Toronto-owned rinks, and provincial funding makes its way down to leagues like the GTHL. Rick Westhead, CTV News, Toronto. After months of controversy at Canada Soccer, there was a major change at the top today. The president, Nick Bontis, stepped down following calls for his resignation today from provincial and territorial soccer leaders. The Canadian senior men's and women's teams had also called for change. Still ahead, cartoon controversy. Why more North American newspapers are done with Dilbert. The author of a popular comic strip provoked angry backlash after controversial racist comments. Now the Toronto Star, Globe and Mail and Post Media have become the latest to drop the cartoon. Here's CTV's Joy Melvin. Once a comic strip star, Dilbert has been fired. After three decades of poking fun at workplace culture, its creator Scott Adams says he's been cancelled. I got a call from my syndication company and they said... Uh, we can't do business with you. We're done. <laughs> Hundreds of newspapers are done, dropping his comic strip, severing ties, after Adam's racist remarks last week on his YouTube show, where he referenced a right-wing poll that asked people if they agree it's okay to be white, a phrase used by white supremacists. If you know, nearly half of all blacks uh, are not okay with white people, according to this poll, not according to me, According to this poll, uh, that's a hate group. The best advice I would give to white people is to get the hell away from black people. His comments ignited fury on social media reactions, swift and fierce by major publications. We believe in free speech, but there's a line that gets crossed where things become racism. Coming to Adam's defense, Elon Musk and his Twitter megaphone, claiming with no proof, for a very long time, U.S. media was racist against non-white people. Now they're racist against whites and Asians. 
Everyone has free speech, but no one has freedom from consequences. Of course, you know, Mr. Adams is, is an unrepentant racist who has who's, who's flirted with this kind of behavior in the past. With millions of viewers, Adams was back on YouTube today, admitting he's lost most of his income. So Dilbert is now fully canceled. Insisting his comments were taken out of context and making no apologies. Joy Malbin, CTV News, Washington. A chance encounter on an airplane has led to a high-profile shout-out for an award-winning Canadian actor. Chance the rapper and his seven-year-old daughter weren't seated together, and before he could ask another passenger to switch, he says a kind older gentleman offered his seat. And as he stands up, I realize it's the Martin Short. Turns out Chance's daughter is a massive fan of Short's performance as Jack Frost in Santa Claus 3, making the father-daughter duo even more grateful for the seat swap. Some Canadian kindness coming up. But look at us now, huh? A historic night at one of Hollywood's biggest award shows. Once a domain of predominantly white actors, last night's Screen Actors Guild Awards, a predictor for the Oscars, made history. Here's CTV's Heather Butts. Everything, everywhere, all at once. Everything Everywhere All at Once was just that. The film reigned supreme, winning four major awards, including Michelle Yeoh, now the first Asian to win Best Female Actor in a Leading Role. I think if I speak, my heart will explode. Her co-stars, veteran Jamie Lee Curtis and Ki-Hui Kwan, both won Supporting Actor. Kwan, the first Asian actor to win the award. This moment no longer belongs to just me. It also belongs to everyone who has asked for change. I'm not your husband. And the multiverse fantasy film claimed the award for best cast in a motion picture. And now, Mark Wahlberg. But some were quick to criticize the person handing out the award, pointing out the decades-old charges against Wahlberg for attacking two Vietnamese men when he was 16. Actually, 94-year-old veteran actor James Hong focused on the celebration while recalling his early years in Hollywood. The, the leading role was played by these guys with the eyes taped up like this and they talk like this. And the producer said the Asians were not good enough and they are not box office. But look at us now, huh? <laughs> It's a, a real step forward for diversity and inclusion, I think, uh, in Hollywood. And it shows that the, you know, the, the big players, the SAG Awards, and that are looking to take seriously the promise that they made a few years ago. Canadian-American Brendan Fraser won Best Actor for The Whale, captivating the audience with a passionate and inspiring acceptance speech. But believe me, if you just stay in there and you put one foot in front of the other, You'll get to where you need to go. Have courage. Considered a bellwether of Oscars success, many are now setting their sights on next month's ceremony. Heather Bott, CTV News, Toronto. And those awards on March 12th. That's a snapshot of this Monday for all of us at CTV National News. Good night.